Whenever the text says in Genesis 4 that Eve said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord, that phrase with the help of is a supplied part of the verse by the translators into English. The Hebrew simply says it this way, I have gotten a man, the Lord. Now, maybe it makes sense to put with the help of there. That's what many translators have done through history. But other translators and commentators and theologians have pointed out many times that when Eve says, I have gotten a man, the Lord, that she thinks that this son that she has born, Cain, is the promised one that she was promised in Genesis 3.15 that she would have a seed that would save them from their sin, the one who had crushed the head of the serpent. She thought when Cain was born, at least possibly, I would think likely, that she has had the Lord, that she was what Mary would eventually be. Of course, we find out later in the story that's not true. Cain was anything but the Messiah. But in this way, he did look forward to the Messiah. Eve looked forward to the Messiah. Abel, as we'll find out, looked forward to the Messiah. It is natural that Adam and Eve and their family, after the fall into sin, they knew what it was to be without sin. And they knew what it was to be with sin. That they would be constantly on the lookout for a savior, for the seed, to make everything right again. And we should be on the lookout for that too. We should be on the lookout for Jesus in our lives. And we are lucky enough to know him. Lucky enough enough to have received him more than lucky. We are blessed to have already received him. But even when we go back and we read the Old Testament, we're looking forward to what's going to happen in the New Testament. We should also, in our reading, be on the lookout. And we can see Christ so many places here in this text. Think of the difference between Abel's offering and Cain's offering. As Cain grew and Abel also grew. One was a worker of the sheep and one was a worker of the ground. And they both brought offerings to the Lord. And you can look at the offerings that they brought and you can see some differences between them. When Cain brought an offering, he just brought something. He brought some of the fruit of the ground. It doesn't say any details about what fruit of the ground, but we can imply when you contrast it with Abel's offering, what did Abel bring? He was a keeper of sheep. He brought the firstborn of the flock, the first fruits of his offering, and of their fat portions. If that's what Abel brought, we can imply that Cain did not bring the first fruits of his offering. And so, You can see that the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's offering. And you can also see in that verse that the Lord had regard 
in verse 5, not just for Abel's offering, but for Abel himself, for Abel and his offering, and did not have regard for Cain and his offering. And you can see in both those things, the difference between the offerings themselves and in the way that the Lord responds, not just to the offerings, but to the person, that the offerings are not about the offerings themselves, but they are about where they come from. Cain's offering is born out of pride. Cain had obviously withheld the best for himself and did not give his whole self or his best offering to the Lord. He had given his offering out of pride. He had acted like he was doing something good, like the Pharisee who went up to pray, but really just prayed to the Lord to gossip about other people. But his offering wasn't a real offering at all. And he had no faith in his heart. The Lord had no regard for Cain. But Abel's offering, again, not really about the offering itself, but about where it came from. Because Abel had faith, because Abel trusted the Lord, he knew that the Lord deserved the best of what Abel had to offer. He gave him the firstborn of his flock and even of their fat portions, the most valuable part of his flock and of the slaughter. It's a matter of the tree and the fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. It's not about the fruit itself. Whether or not the fruit does something, we read in Psalm 50 very clearly that the Lord does not drink the blood of bulls or the blood of goats. The Lord doesn't really care about the offering itself at the end of the day. The whole world is his. The cattle on a thousand hills is his. Or as we read in Ephesians 2, that the good works, they don't earn salvation for God. But out of faith, the good works come. We are saved, we earn salvation, not by our own works, but God earns it for us, a work of God. But out of that, when God does save us, and when we come to faith, that good faith, it bears good fruit. We are created in God's workmanship to do the good works that he has prepared before us, Ephesians 2 said. And that's what Abel did. He offered the best because he had faith. And so when we talk about stewardship, for instance, we're going to talk about that more next month. And we'll do the pledge cards. We're coming up on that time of year. It is worth asking yourself if you give your first fruits. Or if you give your leftovers. And if you give your leftovers or if you give your first fruits, where is that coming from? And of course, we're not mandating any kind of law that you must give this much or you must do it this way. Like the Pharisee who went up and said, I give a tenth of everything that I have. And this guy, 
Thank God I'm not like him. That's not the attitude that we're coming at it with. But like Abel, out of faith, we do want to give to the Lord the best that we have to offer. And also, you can see in Abel's offering the hope that he had. That he was offering a sacrifice, looking forward to something better to come. He recognized that out of his sinfulness, he needed a sacrifice. He needed salvation. And he was looking forward to that Messiah. To that Messiah that needed to come because sin was such a problem in their lives. We can already see through the offering how it was a problem in Cain's life. And we can see also then in Cain's life how sin breeds sin. Whenever the Lord approached Cain and said he had no regard for his offering, Cain could have said, I am sorry, I will do better next time. He could have repented, he could have changed his ways, he could have given the first fruits. But sin breeds sin, and so his face fell, and he became very angry. And maybe you've been there. When you feel convicted by sin in your heart, But you don't want to feel convicted. And so you start to self-justify or you start to turn it into gossip or you start to lash out in anger of, of those around you. You try and push the sin deeper down instead of repenting of the sin and changing your ways. Sin breeds sin breeds sin. As Paul says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's part of the problem with sin, but that's also why we needed so badly a Messiah. And it's why Jesus had to be sinless in this way. He couldn't have been born and then struggled with sin just a little bit. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. We, as a people, as the children of Adam, as the children of Cain, were completely corrupted. And we needed someone perfect, someone completely perfect, someone without any sin at all to be our savior, to give us his righteousness. And so not only did Jesus not sin, but as the Lord commanded to Cain, You must now rule over your sin. Jesus did that too. Think about Jesus being tempted by the devil in Matthew 4. That whenever the temptation of sin even comes externally to Jesus, he is able to fight it off, to rule over it, and to command the devil from his power and authority. You must rule over your sin. Jesus was the only one who could truly do that. But then also remember this. You are in Christ as Abel had faith and bore good fruit. You can also in Christ, the one who fought against sin, also fight against sin. You don't have to let sin breed sin in your life when you have Christ in your life. 
And so I know it's not Lent, but this is kind of like a Lenten passage, so we can talk about it briefly, that we do in the church and in our lives as Christians have these spiritual disciplines to help us rule over sin. We have fasting, we have prayer, we have devotions, we have almsgiving. And those are good things. Of course, again, Ephesians 2, Psalm 50, the gospel reading, not to win favor with God. Going up to the temple to pray doesn't earn favor with God, but it's still good to pray. God's still delighted in the prayer of the tax collector. And it's good to fight the devil. You must fight the devil. Follow after your Lord's example. But of course, Cain, not our example, did not listen. And here we see the deep corruption of sin, the deepest corruption of sin, and really, truly here, our need for a savior, the murder of a brother. When you think about the murder of a brother, you can think about so many things in the world, news stories that you see that show the deep corruption of sin. You see those awful stories of family members killing each other, murder, suicides. You see the stories of the mass shootings. You see the stories of normalizing pedophilia and child mutilation in our society. You know the stories. I don't have to keep going it's all very horrendous and you don't like to think about it. But that's the deep corruption of sin. A brother killing a brother. People killing just because they got mad. Or because they don't really know why. That's what sin does. Jesus' own brothers murdered him. His own kindred of the Jews, they are the ones who had him murdered. And honestly, a lot of these things don't make any sense at all. The question always left on the lips of the reporters on those news stories is why? But you know why. Ultimately, why? Because of sin. And so we cry out, we must cry out for a savior. For that Messiah, the one who could come and deal by his death and by his resurrection, I know that my Redeemer lives, deal with it all. And this is why God sent us Jesus. He sent us our brother. Cain asked that question. Whenever the Lord asked him, where is Abel, your brother? He says, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer should have been yes. He is his brother's keeper. But more than that, he should have been his brother's brother. Not only should he have looked after him, protected him, not murdered him, but he should have encouraged him. They should have encouraged one another in their offerings to the Lord and in their faithfulness to the Lord. But they didn't do any of that. At least Cain didn't. And so we needed a different brother because Cain was not good enough. But the Lord sent us a brother. The Lord sent us a savior. 
Hebrews 2 puts it this way, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, one Father. For which reason he, that is Christ, is not ashamed to call them, the ones being sanctified, that's you, brothers. Christ is not ashamed to call you his brother because he has given you and made you his brother by baptizing you so that you are his father's children too. Cain was not a good brother. Our earthly brothers, maybe they're good, but they're not Jesus. Only Jesus could save. Only Jesus could give us the father. Only Jesus could be our perfect brother and show us what it is to truly love and truly care for and truly keep each other. And so again, like Christ, we should follow after his example. We should be our brother's keepers. We should warn each other of danger and of sin, but we should also be our brother's brothers. We should be our brothers, brothers and sisters together. And we should encourage one another and love one another and help one another in time of need. But Cain did not, and he killed Abel, and Abel's blood cried out from the ground. Again, again, showing the need for the Messiah. The blood cries out for the Messiah. The blood cries out for the need of a Savior. The blood cries out to God. And what is the only way that the price of that blood can be paid? It is by the blood of another. Life for life, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, blood for blood. And so Jesus came and he shed his blood. And that blood also cries out, Hebrews 12, puts it this way, that Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, not the covenant of blood of goats and bulls, or even of Abel's offering, but the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Jesus' blood cries out, but Jesus' blood does not cry out for a Savior. His blood cries out to the Father, and it is sprinkled on you, the ones being sanctified, and it says, these people are righteous These people are your children. These people are mine. And they are saved. And they are growing in me. And so that blood marks you. Cain got a mark in this story. Cain got a mark of simple protection from earthly danger because he complained and God was merciful to his complaint beyond belief, really. But you don't just get a simple mark of protection by Jesus' blood. God got to the root of the problem of the deep corruption of sin in your life when he marked you with his blood in your baptism. He washed you in his blood, making your robes white. He washed you in his blood, making you righteous with the righteousness of Christ. You are washed with the waters of regeneration, and he marked you, not with the mark of Cain, but with the sign of the cross on your forehead and on your heart. And that cross and that Christ 
He is your hope. When you go through this life and you see the deep corruption of sin, when you see a lack of true offering to the Lord, when you see sin running deep and sin breeding sin in so many places, and you see the giving in of temptation, and you see the deep corruption of sin in the murders and in the shootings and in all the rest of it, and when you see the lack of brotherly keeping, and when you see blood crying out, you know that you are marked. You know that you are washed. You know that you are your own father's precious child. There is no doubt that this world and that you yourself need a Messiah, need a savior, need a seed to come. Just like Eve knew, just like Abel knew, just like Adam knew. You know that too. But like Eve and like Abel, you can hope in him because you have faith in him. And of that faith, you are a good tree and a good tree bears good fruit. And bearing good fruit, you can follow after Christ. You can bring your first fruits. You can rule over sin. You can love your brother and you can remember your baptism, which saved you. And so believe in this Christ, trust in this Christ, hope in this Christ. He has come. To him be all the honor and glory now and forever. Amen.